0: Welcome to Here's the Deal. I told you last Wednesday, I gave you a sneak uh, peek at what I was going to talk about. And I know a lot of you were super interested in it, and I'm not going to do that today. And the reason why is I I got a friend here who's from uh, Colorado, and he's been a blessing to our church family, Big Valley Grace, where I serve. And he's also been a blessing just in my own personal life. He's an author. Uh, he uh, has been a pastor at a very, very large church. He's a life coach. He's, um, he's got a lot of skills and, and, and abilities. He, he, he understands the culture at a whole nother level. And so I, he's at my house right now. You're probably wondering, where am I? Because I'm not in a normal spot. We're in my living room. And I, since he's here, I thought, man, why don't I have him on and let him maybe share with all of us, um, hey, what's happening in the, in, the, in our culture, in the church, and what are some things we need to be cognitive of or whatever as we navigate this new time, season, whatever, post-pandemic, whatever. So I'm thankful you're with us, and, uh, and right now I'm going to have my friend come in and um, this is my friend Lance Witt, and I wish I had a wide-angle lens that we could, uh, yeah. we're a little tight here. But we're close enough friends, yeah, we, we, can do, we can do this. Yeah, absolutely. We can do this. So so Lance, you know, we don't have a lot of time, you know, this broadcast sure. is 15 minutes long or so, but just in in your opinion, as you have, I don't know, traveled around and, and done research and you're helping all these churches out, what are... I don't know, top two, three things that that you see we got to be ready for or these are things that are impacting the local church? What, what, what would some of those things be? Well, I think before I go there,
1: I, I would just say to anybody, gosh, if you are a part of a local church and you are a member of a local church, the first thing I'd say is, man, we need people praying for their pastors right now oh. because the last 18 months have been so challenging and I know it's been hard for everybody but man the complexity of being a pastor today is more than I've ever seen in my lifetime and pastors are, bit, are more scrutinized and criticized than I've ever seen and so I would just say seriously like if you would take a moment and just pray for your pastor pray for people who lead in ministry in the church um, that would be huge. Um,
0: would so- probably, let me just add to that uh, last week at Big Valley, where I'm a pastor, I um, I just shared a little bit about my regular routine in the morning, and part of that regular routine is I listen to Scripture, and uh, then there's a piece of it, uh, 20 minutes, I listen to Scripture, 20 minutes, I pray, and I told all of you, if you're at church, or you went to our church, that one of the things I do every week is I pray for our senior pastor. His mm-hmm. name is Joel Boone, because... There is a tremendous amount of pressure, stress, demonic whatever, and so that's a good word. Make sure you're praying for the pastors at your church.
1: Yeah, that's so good. Well, obviously the the uh, you know the whole world has changed. And I remember early on, a friend of mine said, you know, never in the history of the world. Has the entire globe been focused on one problem like it was during COVID? And so everybody's obviously been impacted. But churches, you know, were having to pivot every single week. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the things that churches kind of typically measured, like, you know, how many people showed up and, you know, those kinds of things like that, that just all went out the door, right? Because everybody had to pivot to doing stuff online. And so a lot of what's been changing has been around like, How do we leverage, you know, digital uh, platforms in order to do ministry? And every pastor has been trying to figure that out in the midst of all the change. And, And then, you know, you've had issues around race and masks and vaccines. And so... Pastors have been navigating a lot of tricky things as they kind of move forward uh, during this time. But I think one of the things I would say, Rick, that's been a huge issue has just been sort of what COVID has exposed in the Christian community. So I was doing a podcast with a professor from Wheaton back earlier, maybe six months ago. And he just made a statement that sort of summarized in one simple statement what I think has been true. And he said, COVID has exposed the fault lines of our poor theology our shallow faith and our spiritual immaturity and i go like wow Wow. that sort of summarizes where i think we found ourselves and it's not that covid created it but it simply exposed some some really bad theology some really shallow faith and and it also exposed a ton of anger in people's lives
0: so what what Just when you take those three things what what this pandemic did, what it exposed what what what's the response what should the the church be thinking about what what are some solutions to those three things? yeah well, I
1: think a couple of things that immediately come to my mind because the church has been so polarized right people are drawing lines in the sand and angry and bitter and resentful and Leaving churches over in my opinion, some pretty like secondary things so so the first thing I would say our response ought to be is we need to make sure that we are gospel centered mm-hmm. like not letting our political preferences or our opinions about you know mass or other things become the primary thing, like the church is about the gospel. I remember a friend of mine, he pastors in Colorado, and he had a group of like twelve. 20 and 30 year olds come to him and say hey basically like we're we're saying and almost demanding like that the you know race issue becomes the signature issue of mm-hmm. our church and and my pastor friend said hey i care about that i want you know every person is created in the image of god But we're about the gospel. That's the signature issue of the churches. is, is, and I think every Christian has to go back and go, we are gospel-driven. We are citizens of a different kingdom. And then the second thing I would say is, we got to get a handle on our anger. Hmm. Like Jesus said, the one thing that the world has the right to judge us on is how well we love one another. Hmm. And so, gosh, can we agree to disagree can we disagree in a civil gentle kind of kind way Um, because i think again when the when the world looks at us as christians right now they don't see anything that's very winsome or attractive they see a lot of just anger and so i think i I just got to step back and go yeah there's some things i care about some things i want to fight for but at the end of the day
0: am i being loving
1: Toward the people around me. So anyway, yeah. those are a couple things that come to mind.
0: Well, I can tell you that um, just in my interfacing with some of you. In fact, I'm thinking of one person in particular. Uh, we 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 interfaced this morning early. We've been interfacing for a while, and. Uh, one of the things that I said to this person was, I just sense that you're you're angry. I sense that you're mad. Now, it was all written. Sure. But just what was written was, ang- there just seemed to be an anger behind it and angst behind it. Uh, and and I told this person that I was done communicating with them. I wasn't going to write back and forth anymore. Because if we can't, I remember you told me once, you gave me a line for my campaign when I ran for mayor. Um... That we can attack the the problems of the city without attacking one another. Yeah. And that was a line he gave me. Okay. And I think that as believers, we we can attack some of the things that we face without attacking each other. We we can disagree without being disagreeable. There's another yeah. little catchphrase. And I think you're right. I, I I have noticed that even with a lot of my own friends, man, they're just angry, they're upset. Any decision that the church made, they are angry and they're upset at. Anything that has to do with politics, they were angry and upset at. Instead of going, listen, it's okay to have an opinion. It's okay to have a thought, but we're called to love. Yeah. And we can love and disagree. We can love and not not think the same things. And so, I think that is a a, a you know, a big a, a big issue. What else? Anything else that you would say is, is kind of facing the church that we have? Yeah, to... I, I, I think one of the other things that COVID exposed
1: was, again, sort of a shallowness of the church in America, and that a lot of times we've been focused on sort of drawing a crowd mm-hmm. and gathering a, a big group of mm-hmm. people. And I, I think one of the things that leaders, Christians, ought to step back and really honestly reflect on and evaluate is. So how are we doing it actually making disciples? Like raising up people who know what it is to follow Christ, to have Christ-like marriages, to you know manage their finances and like how are we actually doing it that? And I think what we've done a great job of is getting a whole lot of people a to room. a church building and in a room But outside, and I know that there's a piece of discipleship that happens there, but I I often go back to the way Jesus did it, and that was a lot more life on life, and I think about Paul in 1 Thessalonians 2 when he said, we were like a mother among you, gentle and nurturing, and then he says, we were a spiritual father, and we shared with you not only the gospel but our lives, and there was this relational investment. And I just think the church and pastors and leaders have to step back and say, so how have we been doing at that? And I think part of what happened in COVID is maybe a, a reality check of saying, gosh, maybe in some ways we really haven't done as good at that. And we've been putting on a great weekend service with great teaching and interesting topics. But beyond that, I feel like we've, we've lacked yeah. in some ways. So, so uh, I, I think that's been an issue for pastors.
0: One of the things that uh, Lance and I have just been talking about is this. I got some thoughts and some ideas about some things, maybe I'll share at some moment, but it, it's, it's it, how, do I, how do I use my one life to um, maybe influence or encourage, uh, mentor, mm-hmm. I don't know what all the right words are, a group of, a, a group of young men. And, and one of the things that we've been talking about here in my living room, it really, the whole time is kind of a dream, a vision of how I would just spend the next season of my life caring and loving and helping a group of men really understand the yeah. gospel and how how the gospel really can you know in influence some of these things that happen in our culture, but do you understand? The gospel and how to its implication in your singleness, your married life, how you parent, in your business, how you work, whatever all those things might be. And you're right. Our church, the church that I get to pastor at, there was a word that we used to use. We still do. It's called the attractional church. Right. Yeah. And we were great at that. And I and I still think there's a place for it. Sure. Where we we put on some event, or bring in some speaker, and people are attracted to the event, and then we share the Lord with them, right, right? I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but wow, that can't be the only deal anymore, where you just say, hey, look, we got this great music group here, this great speaker here, and so you come, the the faith is going to change a little bit, I, I think it has to, so... Um, What else? Anything else in in the last few minutes we got here?
1: Yeah, I would just say, um, again, there is a place for that attractional church. But I think we're moving to a day where the culture looks at us as Christians and at the church with a degree of cynicism, skepticism, and they really don't like often what they see. And and some of that's legitimate and some of it's not. But I, I think what my challenge would be is that, Average, everyday Christians, just like you and me, that we're sort of on mission, representing Jesus in our everyday lives. So that we're getting to know our neighbors and the people that we work with, that they see something that is winsome in us and draws them to Jesus. I, I think, I'll, I'll, I'll give you this, in, in Titus, Titus is, uh, Paul is talking to Christians who were followers of Jesus, think about this, and slaves in the first century. So they were literally pieces of property. And Jesus was saying, even in this very difficult thing, here's how I want you to act. I want you to not speak, at. Mm-hmm. I, I speak back. I, I want you to not lash out. I, I want you to be honest and honoring of your master mm-hmm. to a slave. And then Paul says this, so that you will make the gospel of Jesus attractive in every way. Mm-hmm. And I think, I would say to us as Christ followers in this generation, in these crazy, bizarre times, we have to be the kind of people that make the gospel attractive and winsome to the people in our culture.
0: And, and you accomplish that, or one of the ways you accomplish that is by how you interface yes. with, with the People in the cubicle next to you, the people you golf with, the people you do life with, your neighbors, whoever, could be family members who you disagree with, who you... I have people in my life who we totally disagree on just about every single issue. But, man, we, you'd never know that we don't love each yeah. other and we don't care about each other because we do, but we disagree on some things. And by the way, some of those people are believers... And some of those people are not believers, sure. And, um, man, how we live, how we interface with one another is is super important. Well, look, I want to keep these things at about 15 minutes. I could keep going on, um, you know, for a long, long time. But let me just say this. uh, The topic that I was going to talk about that I shared with you last week about some of the stuff that's going on with, you know, transgender athletes, who are uh, competing It's primarily a a man who's competing as a woman uh, and the implications of that. I'm gonna talk about that because that was something that you all wanted me to talk about. So I'll come back to that next week unless something crazy happens. So listen, I love all of you. Thank you for listening or watching. Make sure you hit the share button, get that out to all your friends. And, And if you got a question, you want me to tackle or whatever, you can always email me again at rickc at bbg.org, okay? Hey, blessings, everybody. Bye.